Welcome to the St. Matt's 6pm podcast, where you can listen to sermons from our evening service. Hi everyone, my name is Ellie and I will be reading the Bible passage for tonight. Mark chapter 9, verse 38 to 50. Teacher, said John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said, for no one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me, for whoever is not against us is for us. Truly I tell you, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to the Messiah will certainly not lose their reward. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them if a large millstone were hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell, where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell, where the worm that eats them do not die and the fire is not quenched. Everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt among yourselves and be at peace with each other. Thank you for that. Good evening, everyone. My name's Ron, and uh, it's great to be with you tonight and to try and make some sense of that passage that we've just heard read for us uh, this evening. I guess that you, as I have, have observed seagulls from time to time. Sounds like it. Have you ever noticed how much effort a seagull goes to to ensure that other seagulls don't get its prized hot chip. Have you noticed that? Often the strategy works and all the squawking and flapping about that the seagull does means that other seagulls fly off and then it can take its chip. But sometimes the strategy backfires. Sometimes while seagull number one is off squawking and chasing at seagull number two to 2,000, Seagull number 2001 subtly comes in underneath, stealth-like, and takes the chip and heads off in glory. You haven't noticed that. Sometimes when you hinder others, you hinder yourself. Today we find ourselves with Jesus' followers, uh, they're taking a break from the ministry that they've been doing and they're chatting about it, debriefing-like about the ministry that's been going on. Jesus is teaching them. They're together in a house and it's sort of private tuition for them. And if you remember back last week, Jesus had predicted his death and started to teach the disciples about what that would mean and what that would look like. And Jesus, in his own journey, had started heading towards Jerusalem, the place where he would ultimately die. And just before this passage, Jesus has taught his disciples for a second time about his death. 
time with his disciples is running out. His death is imminent and there is now an urgency to what he wants to instruct the disciples about. And so Jesus doesn't hold back. He knew that when they hinder others, they hinder themselves and Jesus wants them to cut it out. During the discussion that they're having, the disciples and Jesus, John raises a matter that had occurred during their ministry. Verse 38, he says, Teacher, we saw someone driving out demons in your name and we told him to stop because he wasn't one of us. Now, driving out demons, if you've been following through the book of Mark, is the very thing that disciples hadn't been able to do just earlier in Mark chapter 9, go back to verse 28. They hadn't been able to do it, yet they now stop one who can do it. And why do they stop him? Because he was not one of us. Wow. Do you see what's happening here? The disciples, rather than making the enemy Satan, The enemy has become anyone who is not one of us. The disciples have made themselves the very centre of God's kingdom, have made their own rules about who's in and who's out. Jesus is focused on his death that will allow people to enter the kingdom of God and the disciples have been arguing about who is the greatest amongst them. Jesus says to John, do not stop him. Whoever is uh, not against us is welcomed in, Jesus goes on to say, and the one who offers the disciples even a cup of water in Jesus' name is welcomed in. Jesus and his disciples are on very different pages at this stage in the journey. Jesus has one view of the kingdom, his disciples have another one. And we can, I think, helpfully think about this uh, by thinking about livestock. See, what was going on is that the, the uh, disciples were excluding people and Jesus was including people. But we can think about livestock and I just need to say, I'm going to use the illustration that involves water and I feel very nervous about doing that at the moment, conscious of what's happening in the world around us. So just bear with me. Think about livestock in non-flood periods. If you want to restrict the movement of livestock, then an easy way to do that is to build a fence. Literally, the livestock is fenced in. But assume for a moment that there's no other reason that you need a fence, like there's no vehicles or no wild beasts that you need to protect your livestock from. In that situation, the livestock owner could also provide a water source, a dam, instead of a fence. Because animals need water. And so if there's a water source, they will never stray too far away from the water. The disciples have been building fences. Fences mark boundary lines. Fences enable you to determine who's in and who's out and the disciples had been building fences around God's kingdom. But their fences hindered others and their fences were also hindering 
themselves and Jesus wants them to cut it out. While the disciples are building fences, Jesus is more like the dam. He invites everyone to drink from him the source of living water and even the smallest act of faith, one able to be performed by the weak and vulnerable, allows entry to the kingdom. From verse 37 to verse 39 of Mark chapter 9, each verse, in each of those verses, we see people operating in Jesus' name and as they operate in Jesus' name, they're welcomed into the kingdom. There is no fence prohibiting them from coming to Jesus, the living water. Building such a fence is a serious matter for Jesus and he goes on to explain it in the verses following. And the seriousness of this matter and the seriousness of what we see from verse 42 in Mark chapter 9 through to 48 or 50 isn't just about some personal moral sin. Though it's not a bad idea to think about these verses in the context of personal moral sin. But the context of Mark chapter 9, the thing that I think Jesus is really getting at is that the disciples are excluding others and this is a grave sin. And Jesus points out the gravity here by saying that in fact the person who causes stumbling, for that person it would be better off if a large millstone were hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. That's a pretty full-on thing to say. The little ones that are being uh, uh, prohibited from coming into the kingdom are probably the children that Jesus has just mentioned earlier in Mark. But by extension, I think we can see the little ones as any who are vulnerable, any who live on the margins, any of those ones in society that Jesus so often has been ministering to as we've gone through the book of Mark. Jesus accepts them simply because they believe. That is all that matters to Jesus. Not because they're on the inside, that matters to the disciples. Not because they tick all the boxes that the disciples had determined people needed to tick. For Jesus, it's about belief in him. Exclude people from the kingdom at your own peril, Jesus says. In fact, you cause them to stumble, you're better off dead. How much their attitude of exclusion hindered them from the kingdom becomes clear in the next verses, 43 through to 48. Whether it be hand, foot or eye that causes the stumbling, the message is clear. Cut it out, pluck it out, cut it off. Get rid of that which causes stumbling over inclusion into the kingdom. Now to be very clear, Jesus is not advocating self-mutilation in this passage. He's speaking with hyperbole. But the message is clear. If you exclude people from the kingdom based on your own values, your own loyalties, that is so serious that drastic action is needed. And not taking drastic action has severe consequences, as we see in these same verses. 
It's better for you, Jesus says, to enter life, to enter God's kingdom, weak and vulnerable. That is, with body parts cut off or plucked out, than to end up in hell. Now, the word hell here is quite literally the word Gehenna, which was the burning rubbish dump on the outside of Jerusalem. But this burning dump had also become an analogy for the wrath of God. The kingdom of God and Gehenna are both future realities, but they're also both present realities. It's serious stuff, Jesus says. You don't want to find yourself facing God's wrath instead of experiencing life in God's kingdom because of your attitude of excluding people from Jesus. Hinder others from the kingdom with your own rules and you hinder yourself. Build fences and you might find yourself stumbling over those same fences. If we hinder others, we hinder ourselves. Jesus says, cut it out. There is a stumbling block for people to come into the kingdom. Just one. And it's the very stumbling block that the disciples are stumbling over at this point in their journey. Twice now, Jesus has taught them about his death and the centrality of his death for the kingdom coming and they haven't got it. They're stumbling over it. Paul picks up this idea in 1 Corinthians where he, a Jew himself, writes, we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Christ crucified was the thing that the disciples did not get. They stumbled over it. They wanted a kingdom other than the one that was centred on a crucified Messiah. They built fences. But through his death and resurrection, Jesus becomes the living water, the dam for all to drink from. And only, only by refusing to drink from that dam, from that living water, to drink in all the benefits of his death and resurrection, that only is the reason for exclusion from his kingdom. We're tempted to build fences. Tempted to build fences that add to the message of Christ crucified and risen. Tempted to build fences that exclude people from Jesus based on our own values, our own morality, our own politics or even sometimes based on our own theology. Like somehow we think that we have more wisdom or more power than God himself who says the crucifixion of Jesus is all that's needed for people to enter the kingdom. If people stumble over Christ crucified, so be it. 
But if people stumble over any fence that we've built, then we are in danger of facing God's wrath. If we hinder others, we hinder ourselves and we need to cut it out. So how might we hinder others? I want to consider just very briefly a couple of examples. One that's a bit more inside, one that's a bit more outside orientated. Denominationalism. We, St Matt's, are a Sydney Anglican Evangelical Church. Now, I don't know how much you've thought about all those things and how much it matters to you, but there's reasons why I've chosen to participate in a Sydney Anglican Evangelical Church. But if I now start building fences based on those reasons, excluding others from life in the kingdom because they don't quite meet everything that I think matters, I'm in danger. I'm hindering others from the kingdom and potentially I'm hindering myself. If any church preaches Christ crucified, that is the wisdom of God that is needed for salvation. That and that alone. Christ and him crucified. People don't need to be one of us and we don't need to be one of them to be part of God's kingdom. So own your theology, think about it, but let's not be arrogant or proud in our theology but rather be weak and vulnerable like the little ones who enter into the kingdom. Hinder others and you hinder yourself. Let's be careful of the theological fences that we build lest they prohibit people from drinking the water of life in Jesus. Well, let me consider a second issue. The issue of gender dysphoria. Now, I want to say up front, I do not know all the answers to this really complex issue. And tonight, all I'm simply doing is seeking to an application from this particular text to this issue. But it may be that many people in churches feel uncomfortable with someone who's dissatisfied with the, the biological gender that they've been given. We believe that God created people male and female and it would be very easy for us to build a fence that's based on gender issues where those who experience gender dysphoria will feel excluded. But this passage is all about including people who are vulnerable including all who are vulnerable, based simply on belief in Jesus, based simply on his death and resurrection. Any who would come to Jesus, any who would come in his name, are welcome to come and drink from the water of life. Unfortunately, sometimes we can give people the impression 
that transformation is necessary before you meet Jesus, not after. Sometimes we give people the impression that transformation happens on our terms, not on Jesus' terms. But Christ is the power of God. Christ and him crucified is the power of God. Our job is not to build fences that will transform people to be like us. Our job is to point people to the living water that Jesus might transform people to be like him. We engage people with grace and truth that he might transform them according to his power, according to his priorities and according to his time frame. The truth side of that will look like sitting with someone and reading scripture, honestly searching it. The truth side of that will mean submitting to scripture and the grace side of that will be journeying with someone as they continue to drink living water, longing for the transformation that Jesus brings. We like fences. Fences keep things defined. Fences keep things neat. Jesus wants nothing but his death and resurrection to be the thing that keeps people from his kingdom. Jesus wants nothing but his death and resurrection to be the defining thing that allows entry into his kingdom. Jesus died to let us in. Let's not live to keep people out. If we hinder others, we hinder ourselves. Don't build fences. Point to the dam the living water, Christ and him crucified. A stumbling block to some, to be sure. People will stumble over Christ and him crucified. They have for 2,000 years. They will for however much longer. That's okay. That's how it is. People will stumble over Christ and him crucified, but to others, to us, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Christ is the living water who we drink from. Christ is all we need to be in his kingdom. Christ and him crucified is all we need to be transformed into his image. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your death. Thank you for your complete focus that that was how your kingdom would come. Thank you that there's nothing else that we need but to cling to all that you have done, to believe in you. And Father, strengthen us to continue to do that. And Father, we pray that we'll be such a community, so focused on you, so drinking from living water, that we will point others to that living water. Father, when we're tempted to build fences, fences other than the stumbling block of Christ crucified, Will you rebuke us and challenge us? Will you allow allow us to repent? And will you change us that we might point all around us to the Lord Jesus and to him alone? And we pray in his name. Amen.
Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. St Matt's West Penn Hills 6pm congregation is a collection of people who want to be changed by Jesus, to have a deeper connection with God, deeper community with one another and deeper concern for our world. We'd love you to join us on a Sunday soon. For all the details, check out our website at stmats.org.au and be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a sermon.